Our series moving forward is the prayer changes everything. Prayer changes everything. And we're going to be here for the next seven to eight weeks, depending what happens with the baptism Sunday, if I continue on or if I change gears. But as I said, I am just inundating you, fully immersing everybody in prayer over the next little while. Because prayer is arguably the most important discipline that each and every one of us have to participate in to see us grow in our faith. But it can often be the one that is most misunderstood. It can be the one that often makes us the most nervous. Because uh, it's just not something that is normal, like a normal part of life. You don't see people standing up on a regular basis on TV and praying. Um, and depending on the example that you had growing up, you may never have seen prayer done. And so my goal over the next seven to eight weeks between the reading plan, the Hearing God seminar, and the messages is that I want to just cover everything. My hope is that the more you know, the more comfortable you'll get with prayer, and the more confident you will get in your prayer life. And so we're going to look at things like how does prayer change everything? Why doesn't God always answer our prayers? Why does God delay in answering our prayers? Um, the Hearing God Seminar, what is getting in the way of me hearing God speaking to me? Just the blast, the gambit. And so the goal is at the end, if you still have questions, we'll have a Q&A time. Ask the pastor, for better or for worse, I'll try to do my best. But... Uh, my encouragement this morning is that if you have questions about prayer, um, to write them down somewhere. We have the app, you can have notes, put it in your note app on the phone, but what are some questions you have about prayer that you're hoping to get answered over the next month and a half, two months, and hopefully by the end of it, by the time I'm done blasting you with scripture and information, you'll have a pretty firm grasp on it, and if I've missed something, then I really want to address it when we get to the end of the series. <coughs> um, but the goal in all of this is to have a healthy relationship with God. Our mission as a church is to see you have biblically healthy relationships with the most important people in your life. That's our mission statement. And healthy relationships with your family and your friends all starts with a healthy relationship with God. And the only way to have a healthy relationship with God is to have a healthy prayer life. Because as you can imagine, imagine your marriage where only one of you talks and the other one just listens. There's no interaction. There's no feedback. So, and all of you there are like, hmm, that might be nice. No, that's a lie. This would not be nice. Don't kid yourselves. The strength of a relationship is the interaction, is the communication to stay on the same page. Well, we want to stay on the same page with our Heavenly Father. And so, uh, yeah, so we are starting everything right. Pray first, people, is the goal. And uh, Isaiah prophesied that my house... God said that my house would be called a house of prayer. Well, the temple is not the building. The temple is each and every one of us. You, church, are the temple of God. And God's goal for, uh, for each and every one of you is to be a house of prayer. So, with all of that introduction, we are diving into our series, Prayer as Praise and Thanksgiving. This is our first, first stop. Um, you may be wondering, well, why did we only start with two songs of praise? I'm going to get there because uh, it all works out. As I said, in God's perfect design, everything comes together as it should. Um, to kick it off, Luke 11 is our scripture. Just starting in verse 2, Jesus said, This is how you should pray 
Father, your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. But I want us to focus on that first line. Father, may your name be kept holy. As we've often prayed when we say the Lord's Prayer, God, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Right? That would be the one that we're probably more familiar with. The NLT takes a little bit of liberty. says, may your name be kept holy. As we've been reading through the 21 days of prayer, one of the things that I've noticed with our, with whether it's Daniel or Hezekiah or Hannah, they always start their prayers with this sense of reverence. God, you are all powerful. God, you are almighty. God, you are the one that's in control. It, it's this sense of reverence and praise, acknowledging that God is not like me. God is not one of my, my homies. You know, God is not one of my homeboys. God is separate. He is above. He is set apart for holy and glorious things. He is not like the rest of us. And Jesus introduces this idea of prayer. He says, he starts with Father and reminds us that God is a close God, that we can have this close, intimate relationship with Him. We can come to Him with confidence, with our concerns and our weights and our sicknesses and say, God, Father, Help me in this. We don't come into his presence timid. We come into his presence as we would our earthly father. But he says, but hallowed be your name. You are holy, God. You are so holy. You're so set apart that not only should I treat you as holy, not only should I treat you with reverence, but I'm going to treat your very name with reverence. Um, in the Old Testament, the Jews actually wouldn't say the actual name of God. We have the actual, written, actual name of God written in the original text, but the Jews believed that saying the name of God, if they happened to mispronounce it, would actually be a dishonoring to him. So it's just safer to just not say it, which, you know, I, I would rather you try to say my name instead of missing it because it's kind of that closeness, but this is why you see the Lord in all capitals. That's that's the name of the Lord in the actual Hebrew, but uh, we are honoring the Jewish tradition by translating it that way. Um, <clears throat> and so the question I have, so the que first question I want to ask this morning is, ooh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, uh, we'll jump. How do you keep God's name holy? How do you pray that God's name be kept holy? Because this is where it all starts. Um, backtracking a little bit. When we are approaching our life, there's only one of two things that's going to happen as a result of our life. Either God is going to be glorified in all that we do. This is the Matthew 16 passage that popped up on me. Uh, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Let your good deeds be seen so that your heavenly Father is praised and lifted up. So that's option A. Option B, Ezekiel says this about Israel in Ezekiel 36. But when the, they were scattered among the nations, they brought shame on my holy name. For the nations said they are the people of the Lord, but he couldn't keep them safe in his own land. Then I was concerned for my holy name on which my people brought shame among the nations. So scripture tells us you're either going to bring honor and praise to God by your actions and what you do, or you're going to bring shame on it. And, and I don't know about you, there's no in between. I didn't find it at least. Um, I want to err to bringing honor and glory to God's name. I want to error in bringing praise and attention and adoration to my heavenly Father. And so 
how do we pray this? Well, we ask God to keep us from dishonoring his name. God, do not let me do something that's going to bring shame to you. God, do not let me do something or say something that's going to dishonor you in my community and before my friends. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says this, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Uh, it, I don't know if you've noticed, the easiest way to break a bad habit is to start a good one. Well, the easiest way to stay away from dishonoring God is to pursue honoring Him. And Paul still goes so far to say that even when you're eating, even when you're drinking, whatever it is that you're doing... Do it all to the glory of God. Do it all in a way. And if we are that intentional to bring honor and glory to our Heavenly Father, we will stay away from those things that may inadvertently cause Him shame, cause Him dishonor. And so we start off by, God, help me to not dishonor your holy name. The second thing we ask God, we ask that God is glorified among the nations as He is glorified among us. God, may you be glorified in the nations. May you be glorified in our community as you are glorified in me. Daniel 9, 17. Daniel prays this. Oh, our God, hear your servant's prayer. Listen as I plead for your own sake, Lord. Smile again on your desolate sanctuary. Daniel is praying. Jerusalem is in ruins. The temple is in ruins. And he's praying to God that the temple and that his home city would be built up, not for the sake of Israel, not for the sake of himself, because it might gain him some clout in the Babylonian empire. No, he's praying, God, may, you, <laughs> may your city and your temple be built up because I want your name to be glorified. It's taking him out of the situation and putting everything squarely on the only one that's worthy of our praise and adoration. Ask that God would not only be glorified in us, but in our honoring of him, that our community would honor him. Number three, uh, it means that we manifest our gratitude to God. <clears throat> no, nothing obscures the glory and the honor of God more than our ingratitude. Because ingratitude tells us that, God, you're not doing enough. You're not good enough. You haven't loved me enough. Fill in the blank. When we, are in, when we have an attitude of ingratitude, wow, that was a mouthful, um, it obscures the presence of God. It obscures the goodness of God, the praiseworthiness of God. Um, in the Gospels, we have the story where Jesus is walking along a path and ten lepers, um, if you don't know, lepers were not allowed to be in the community. It was a contagious disease. They, they basically kicked, out, kicked them out into this special little community and these ten guys see Jesus and they run to Jesus and like, Jesus, heal us. Take it away. And Jesus, in his graciousness and his power, he heals them and says, go show yourselves to the priests and Nine of them, all ten of them take off, but then only one actually comes back and says thank you. Only one of the ten come back and like, God, praise be to you that you did what only you can do. Thank you, Jesus, for healing me. And Jesus looks at the one, he's like, wasn't there ten of you? Where did the other nine go? Nothing obscures our graciousness and our worship of God more than an attitude of ingratitude. <clears throat> so, why should we praise our Heavenly Father? Why should we praise God? Remember, the, our focus here is prayer as praise and thanksgiving. So why should we praise God? Number one, 
and I'm rapid firing you. If you're like, Matt, slow down. No, go back and watch it if you need to, if you miss something. Uh, all the notes are on the app, so if you don't have the app, that's my subtle little plug. Uh, so why should we praise God? Number one, because he's a great God worthy of our praise. <clears throat> Psalm 96 says this, Sing to the Lord, praise his name, each day proclaim the good news that he saves. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. The gods of other nations are mere idols, but the Lord has made the heavens. In these four quick verses, (coughs) whoopsies, in these four short verses, the psalmist has pointed out that, God, you are not like the other idols. You're not like the other gods who are fake and false, and they aren't actually there. You alone are the real God. You stretched out the heavens by your hands. You are completely worthy of my praise. He goes on to say that, God, when you rule the world, you'll rule it with equity, with righteousness, and with truth. And that is but one chapter of 150 psalms that declare the goodness and the praise of our God. And all of it is true, and all of it highlights great and amazing things. Our God is worthy of our praise because of who He is and how great He works. When, it, when we th- think about praise and thanksgiving, um, here's how we differentiate between the two. Praise is honoring and uh, praise centers on who God is, and thanksgiving focuses on what he has done. And no coincidence, God often proves and shows how good he is, shows who he is by what he does. So praise and thanksgiving often go hand in hand. So number one, we praise God because he is worthy of it. Number two, we pray, why should we praise God? Because praise is an acceptable sacrifice to the Lord. So this is, scripture lists off a number of things that are considered acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. Number one, a broken and contrite heart, Psalm 51, 17. Number two, doing what is right and just, Proverbs 21, verse 3. Offering our bodies as a living sacrifice, Romans 12, 1. Number four, giving or being generous, Philippians 4, 18. And the final one, a sacrifice of praise, Psalm 50, verse 14. May thankfulness, make thankfulness your sacrifice to God and make the vows you made to the Most High. Of all the things that God considers to be an acceptable sacrifice, praise is one of them. And so as good followers of Christ and as people who want to bring honor and glory to God, we should be willing and able and, may I say, constantly bringing praise to our Heavenly Father. Because it is, I mean, all those things, we should have, all those things should identify or be markers of us as believers. But for the sake of this morning, I want to focus on the praise. Praise is an acceptable sacrifice of God. Number three, uh, we should praise God because through praise, we come into and experience God's presence. Psalm 27, 8, my heart has heard you say, come and talk with me, and my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. We come into the presence of God (coughs) 
through our praise. It's not that God waits for us because God is everywhere. He's nowhere. There's nowhere you can, do, you can go where he is not. But praise actually opens us up to experience God's presence. It opens us up to hear God speak to us and move and guide us. Um, we experience and enter into God's presence through our praise. And when it comes to relationship, I don't know about you, but it's really hard to have a relationship with someone whose presence I'm never in. Right? This is why when we got shut down in COVID and we had Zoom and everything, it felt good, but it wasn't enough. We need to be together. God has made us to be in community and in proximity of each other. And so it's no coincidence that we craved that of our God in heaven as well. Number four, uh, we experience the joy of the Lord and peace through praise. Uh, Philippians four, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Thank him for all he has done, and you'll experience the peace that surpasses understanding that will guard your minds and hearts. I don't know about you, but I don't like feeling anxious. I don't like feeling fearful. And one of the things that I have learned that helps subside some of those feelings is to just pause, turn on some worship music, and just start to praise my God. Because what praise does is it gets my eyes off of me and gets my eyes onto him, the one who is all-powerful, all in control, and is going to get me through whatever it is that's causing me to be anxious and insecure. Praise is the answer to our fears. Praise is the answer to our anxieties. He is, it's the answer to everything because it fills us with joy and peace. Number five, praise increases our faith to pray expectantly. So based on the first two, when we wholeheartedly praise God, we enter into his presence. When we come into his presence, we experience the fullness of joy and peace that comes from his presence. And as we experience the fullness of joy and peace, these are strong emotions, strong feelings that encourage us to really press into prayer and believe that God is going to do what he is going to do. Nehemiah 8.10 says this, Nehemiah continued, Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before the Lord. Do not be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. He says, do not go away discouraged. Do not go away heavy-hearted. Go and celebrate and praise our God so that you may experience the joy of the Lord, and the joy of the Lord will be your strength. <clears throat> Number six, praise is a spiritual weapon against the forces of darkness. And this is where I kind of want to park for a bit. I think there's a misunderstanding about when we get to service, why we always start off with music. It's not a filler. Music is not simply just a way that we create atmosphere. It's not because we want to showcase the super talented people. We start off with song and praise because it is a spiritual weapon against the forces. We enter into spiritual warfare when we sing God's praises because we have a spiritual enemy that doesn't want us to sing those praises. We have a spiritual enemy that doesn't want us to lift his name above every other name. And so we come into praise, we come into the song service not to just feel good, not to just 
showcases talented people, but we come into it expecting things to move because God meets us in our praise. We come into it expecting things to change because God meets us in our praise. Scripture says this, 1 Samuel 16, whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp, and then Saul would feel better, and the tormenting spirit would go away. Psalm 149, let the faithful rejoice that that he honors them. Let them sing for joy as they lie on their beds. Let the praise of God be in their mouth and a sharp sword in their hands to execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples, to bind their kings with shackles and their leaders with iron, to to execute the judgment written against them. This is the glorious privilege of his faithful ones. Praise the Lord. Praise is not just singing songs. It is a warfare that God has given us. It is, the, it is the, one of the weapons that we can choose to use and is often the one that goes the most ignored. When it comes to our spiritual disciplines, praise is usually the one that we say for Sunday mornings. And I want to touch on that in just a moment. But <clears throat> I want to wrap up here. Um, you still with me? I know I've just kind of, if you're trying to follow along in your paper Bible, I'm sorry because we're all over the place this morning, but I want to close with this. How should you praise God? What is, if, if praise is an acceptable sacrifice to God, then how should we praise him? Number one, with your whole heart, hold nothing back. I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all the marvelous things you have done. With, my, with your whole heart. One of the things I think that happens is we go through and we talk about it being the answer to find joy and peace and the spiritual warfare and, and all these things. Or we enter into God's presence, but we're like, but I, man, I've been coming to church forever. I've been singing the songs with the worship team, and I have not experienced any of those things. I would say, have you been holding back? You've been holding back part of your heart. You've been holding back part of your concerns. You've been holding anything back. Because if you want to experience God, if you want to experience God moving these ways, then you need to give Him all of you. You need to praise with all of your heart, with all of your being, holding nothing back. Because God deserves nothing less than our absolute best. Pray with our whole heart. We praise. We may speak, shout, or sing your praise. Psalm 147.1, praise the Lord, how good to sing praises to our God, how delightful and how fitting. Psalm 33.3, sing a new song of praise to him, play skillfully on the harp and sing with joy. Psalm 47, come everyone, clap your hands. Shout to God with joyful praise. Shout to Him. Make it be heard that you are praising Him. So I highlight those three because it kind of unpacks. Um, but I can't help but wonder. Oh, nope, I'm getting ahead of myself. i got to be aware of that. Okay, and number three. So we can praise God with our whole heart. We can sing, we can shout, we can sing, shout, and clap to the Lord. And number three... This is a big one. I don't think we quite take posture. It's amazing what happens in our heart and our minds when, our, when we posture ourselves physically in worship to God. 
Psalm 95, 6. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before our Lord, before the Lord, our Maker. When we bow and we kneel, there's this, this, these are postures of reverence. These are postures of understanding the greatness of our God. So often we pray, maybe we're lying down in bed, or maybe we're, we're, you know, relaxed on the recliner, but when we pray, there's something that happens. When we praise God, there's something about when we get on our knees and we recognize as we would before a king, as we would before anyone else that is worthy of such honor when we kneel or when we bow and say, God, you are not only my father, but you are my king. And so I'm going to posture myself to honor and praise you accordingly. Psalm 141 to accept my prayer as incense offered to you and my upraised hands as an evening offering. So when we lift our hands, it's not just because, ooh, it's the thing we do at a party, but we're literally lifting our praise to God as, we, as incense would rise to the rafters, as, as we would lift a sacrifice in the Old Testament, the priest would lift the sacrifice up to God. We are not just praising him, we're not just putting our hands up, like, look at me, uh, but it is lifting our hands as we are lifting a sacrifice of praise to our God. <clears throat> but as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window, and when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. Popular reference when it comes to worship, David was... <laughs> The Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of God, was entering the city, and he had kind of disrobed. He's taken off some of his royal robes. He's kind of down to his, to his undies, as some people would say, and he's dancing, and he's singing, and he's praising his God. He has completely rid himself of pride and of his posture. He is not acting like a king in this moment, and his wife is like, how embarrassing, her, her pride is affected by the way that he is worshiping his God. And one commentator pointed to that often the reason that we as Christians do not dance and sing and shout and kneel is because of our pride. Because we don't want someone to see us. We don't want someone to hear us. I can't shout my, my approval of what Master Matt just said. Someone might see me. Who cares? Drop the pride. Drop Humbly come before your God because what happens is, is these postures are not something that is forced. These postures come out of a heart that is full of love and honor and respect. It is something that just starts to happen naturally. I can't help but to raise my hands to God because I want to, sac- I want to praise Him because He's worthy. I can't help but to fall on my knees overwhelmed in the presence of God as He speaks to me and does what only God can do. But often it's like, but someone might see me. Yeah. Your Heavenly Father might see you. Your God might see you. And He may be blessed by your wholehearted, humble worship of Him. Posture isn't about everybody else. It's all about the audience of one. So lift your hands. Shout. I love the fact that it lists off all these ways that we can worship Him because not all of us can sing. When we got here, it was me, Dave, and Tim. We kind of looked at each other like, well, none of us are doing it. We kind of want everyone who shows up to stick around. Like, 
But it's not about the singing. One, one commentator said, actually, when it comes to worship, it's not about the singers. It's not about the lights. It's not about the atmosphere. It's not about the instruments. It's not about anything. What should happen when we come to Sunday morning is it shouldn't be the exception of our lives. It should be the magnification of what's already happening. Imagine this. Think, put in your mind your three favorite bands. Okay? I don't care who they are. You know, keep it in yourself. Your three favorite bands, and they all decide to come together to make music together. How excited would you be for that? How, how awesome is this that's going to come out when these three musicians come together with all their talent, all their giftings, and they make music together. You're like, I want every copy of that album. How much more when God's people who've been praising God all day long, every day of their life, when all those worshipers come together, it should be, this place should erupt. There's 30 of us. If we've all been praising all week long and we come together, it should just be... It wouldn't matter who's singing. It wouldn't matter if there's, it's on the video. It wouldn't even matter if I was doing it and that would really test everything. Because it's not about who's on the stage. It's not about what color the lights are. It's not about the Christmas tree. It's not about any of it. It's all about... Him. It's all about Him. Isn't He worthy? Doesn't He deserve our constant adoration and praise? How good is our God that not only is our praise about Him, it's actually got more to do with us. God doesn't need our praise. He doesn't need our adoration. Praise is what focuses us on Him. It's what clears away those fears and anxieties because it's how we enter into his peace and his joy. Not only is the thing we offer to him because he's worthy, but it benefits us. How often does that happen? When it comes to prayer, as Jesus taught us, it starts with praise. God Hallowed be your name. You are the name above every name. Praise be to our God. So this morning, to wrap up, it's a good thing we only started with one song. I went long this morning. Um, There's no questions on the table. There's no discussion. There's nothing that we would normally do this morning. What I want to do is I want to, we're going to end with worship. I pulled out worship set from a long time ago off of YouTube. So Michelle's going to lead us in worship. But I don't want you to get caught up in what's going on on the screen. I want you to hear everything I, I talked about this morning. About posture, about shouting, about whispering your prayers, about how God is worthy of it all and how you want to hold nothing back. I want you to take the next three songs... <gasps> and really contemplate and put into practice the things we've talked about this morning. To not just sing because there's words on the screen and go through the motions. And so some of you may want to stand and lift your hands and be like, praise be to God. Praise Him because He's worthy. But some of you may just want to stay seated and bow your heads and be like, 
God, you are good, and I just want to honor you as holy and awesome in this moment. I dare some of you to kneel. I dare some of you to shout, because I know some of you can't sing, but you could probably shout pretty good. Whatever it is, as you think about how good he is and you want to express it to your God, do that. Whatever it may be. It doesn't matter that everyone's watching. It doesn't matter that there's a whole bunch of people at your table and they might see, so what? Maybe, instead of being unsure of it, maybe you lifting your hands is the encouragement somebody else needs to lift theirs for the first time. Maybe you shouting out is like, hey, that didn't seem so bad. Maybe I could do it too. And as we close with this worship and this singing this morning, um, I have a challenge for you. I pray that what happens this morning is not unique to just this morning. As you go about your day and you have your quiet time, your devotions, however often, I hope you're having it daily, but however often, when you make your time for the Lord, I challenge you this week to incorporate a little bit of worship. Find a good Spotify list, find a good song on YouTube, and sing praises to our God before you get started. And let him enter into his presence, not just on Sundays, but every day. And my hope is that as you grow in your heart of praise and your practice of worship, that when we get here on Sunday, we'll lift the roof off this place. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, that you are so worthy of praise. That no one else in the whole of creation deserves your praise the way you do. And God, I pray that that gratitude and that joy and that peace and that love just overwhelms us so much that we worship you not in the socially acceptable way, but in the way that most honors you. So may we be a people who shout. May we be people who lift our hands and bow and kneel and cry out to you because you deserve our very best. Not what culture tells us is the best, but what is comfortable to me, what is the best I can give you. Because you have made me, you designed me, you have done great and amazing things and we don't, I don't want to hold back and I don't think any of us do. So as we close this morning, may we not hold back. We praise our God in a way that is befitting the creator and sustainer and saver, savior of the world. And may we take this and apply it to our everyday life. In your precious name, Jesus, I pray.